Still the combines turn intermittently. The weather's not exactly been our friend again. Many crops are yet to ripen and poor yields are predicted. They're certainly very variable, along with increased prices in the shops for products such as bread. We'll have more on the 2020 harvest in the coming weeks on the farming programme. But for today, well, the conflict continues around badger culling. We do not scientifically understand presently why you would cull in Lincolnshire. We need for the badgers and for the livestock to get rid of this disease. And the only way we're ever going to do that is to start culling the wildlife. And it's not just mint sauce that goes with lamb, it's love too. This week is Love Lamb Week. It's a week-long campaign that's run every year now to try and promote the fantastic qualities of the British lamb that we produce here. Our weather and landscape make the UK one of the most sustainable places to produce lamb. You know, there's plenty of areas where they can't grow anything else. First, let's take a look at this week's headlines. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme. With Steve Orchard. A new record for the price of a sheep has been set after Texel Ram Sportsman's Double Diamond was sold in Lanark for 350,000 guineas. Farmland managed to benefit wildlife could be ploughed up because DEFRA is refusing to allow changes to existing countryside stewardship agreements. It follows the government's decision to abolish greening rules, including fallow land, field margins, catch crops and green cover. The government announced last month that the rules would be abolished when the Brexit transition period ends in December. It's now said farmers applying for stewardship can amend their applications starting in 2021 to include ecological focus areas. The government's set to work on a Brexit compensation scheme for sheep producers to offset the impact of losing tariff-free access to the EU market in the event of a no-deal Brexit. And Leaf's Open Farm Sunday will take place on September 19th and 20th with a virtual event that will focus on food and biodiversity. And we could take part through Facebook, Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag L-O-F-S-20. And finally, farmers and general farm workers returning from countries outside the UK's travel corridor who had been included on the list of key workers are now no longer exempt from quarantine regulations and will have to self-isolate for 14 days. Lincolnshire is one of the many areas to have requested a licence to carry out a badger cull to reduce the spread of bovine TB in cattle. Now, this is a controversial policy, to say the least, with much objection from the public. DEFRA's figures certainly seem to point to a significant reduction in infection rates where badgers have been culled previously. The decision on whether a licence will be issued will be made in September. And it's one subject that polarises opinion more than many. Conservationists say that a cull would lead to thousands of wild animals being needlessly slaughtered. Farmers say they need to protect their herds from the disease and that options such as vaccination really are a non-starter. Two very differing opinions this morning. First, let's hear from Tammy Smalley, Head of Conservation at Lincolnshire Wildlife Trust, who spoke to the farming programme's Aaron Renfrey. Now, of course, this is something that you guys strongly oppose. Talk me through why you're not a fan of the idea. Up until this year, Lincolnshire has always been classified as a low-risk area for bovine tuberculosis which is a horrible disease that can cause damage to farming cattle. And for every farmer who has to go through that trauma of loss 
because once they've found out that a cow has it, the cow has to be put down. And for every farmer who goes through that process, there is a loss. And most farmers are very attached to their livestock and have put in a lot of effort. A lot of knowledge goes into good husbandry and breeding. And we ourselves are uh, Lincoln Red cattle breeders. And I know that the people who work with our cattle would be devastated by any of our cattle having to be basically taken out by this disease. But at present within Lincolnshire, there is not clear evidence that we can get hold of or see that shows us why the cull would come to a low risk area. So we do not scientifically understand presently why you would call in Lincolnshire. Thank you, Tammy. I spoke to dairy farmer Mark Barnes, who perhaps not surprisingly doesn't share Tammy's view. The Wildlife Trust has put together a petition. They're saying that there shouldn't be uh, a cull, that there's not evidence and that we're classed as low risk anyway in our area. As a cattle farmer, what's your view on the matter? Oh, it's ridiculous, isn't it? The amount of farms that's going down with TB in this area is just unprecedented. You know, we've lost so much cattle over the last five years in particular. You know, I've been called for TB. I don't know how they could even... I don't know what credibility they think they're going to have by saying something like that. Because, well, you know, the statistics are out there with the cattle that's been called with TB. You know, we know it's in the wildlife. It's, you know, it's been proven without any shadow of a doubt. The vets and all the experts have always said that it's a scientific fact. So I don't know where the wildlife trust think, you know. As far as they're concerned, you know, they'd be happy to keep the badger and get rid of all the cows, wouldn't they? And you've lost cattle yourself to bovine TB, have you? Yourselves, yeah. What's your thoughts on vaccination as an option? Road to nowhere. Why do Road you say that? Well, because... You know, we can't export anything, can we, if we go down the vaccination route. They're never going to get all the badges to vaccinate. It's just an impossibility. And it's just, a, it's just again, it's just a political answer to it because it's, it's easier, isn't it, for them to sell well, it. Definitely. Scientifically, saying... there's, no, there's no, you know, we need for the badges and for the livestock to get rid of this disease. And the only way we're ever going to do that is to start culling the wildlife because we've been culling the farm animals for the last 10 years, haven't we? And we're getting nowhere. Here's Tammy Smalley again. Basically, the Wildlife Trust of Lincolnshire and the Wildlife Trust of the United Kingdom feel there needs to be more clarity from government uh, on what they have promised, which is to phase out badger culling within the next five years. And if they are going to go along that path, why would you bring new areas into culling now where the evidence is not strong to suggest that you should cull badgers? Um, So we feel at this present time that government should take a breath and not issue any more culling licences, and should invest in finding better ways 
to manage this devastating disease within uh, cattle. And finally, back to Mark. So in your view, Mark, badger culling should go ahead. It should go ahead because that's what the experts have said. Well, thank you to both our contributors who clearly are not going to see eye to eye on the matter. But what's your view? Is it needless slaughter or is it an action that's necessary to take? Do get in touch on the website or the app and have your say. And are you a scientist or a vet who could discuss the evidence from an independent viewpoint? I really struggled, I will admit, to find somebody who is prepared to come on the radio and discuss the matter. Uh, If you can help with that, please do get in touch. Email me on steve.orchard at Bauer Media, that's B-A-U-E-R, bowermedia.co.uk, steve.orchard at bowermedia.co.uk. Now it's time to welcome back from his holidays, Sean Sparling of Sparling Agronomy Services. Morning, Sean. Hope you had a good break. Yes, a very good morning to you, Steve. Uh, yeah, fully refreshed, full of vim and vigour and revitalised, champing at the bit and raring to go for Harvest 2021. To be fair, I'm still champing at the bit, raring to go for Harvest 2020, because much as it was in the field three weeks ago when I finished and went away for my holidays, now I've come back it's because of the weather and why we're surprised at that, I have no idea really. Um, Mother Nature's lent a hand in disrupting the whole of the growing season since pretty much this time last year, so it should be no surprise to any of us she's still doing doing it now when it comes to trying to harvest them but very complicated season yields all over the place we'll talk a bit more about that as we go through the coming weeks but i just want to say just shy away from those ridiculous uh, pub yields there'll be a lot of people telling you they've averaged four and a half ton to the acre it'll be the same ones that do it every year just keep give them a wide berth because from what we're picking up the yields are so variable uh, three tons of wheat average might well be a very good average that people end up with this year particularly where the rain didn't come in time in the spring particularly where it's sat wet on different heavy soil types or very light soil type where we've lost nutrition throughout the winter a lot of factors have come into play this year um, and only now are they becoming realized it's very obvious which areas on spring barley and spring wheat for example where the rain didn't come in time at the middle of may onwards to save those crops they haven't tilled particularly well so yields are going to be all over the place we'll visit that a little bit more as we go through the next few weeks um, but on a positive there's an awful lot of spring wheat spring barley late drilled winter wheat crops which are only just really getting to the point of being ripe enough to harvest it's not as if they've been sat out there for four weeks rotting and sprouting and shedding in the field um they've only just got there so if we get a run of dry weather which we're promised and a week or so of good weather we should get harvest 2020 clipped up and considering in february we weren't sure we were actually going to have a harvest this year with about 15 percent of the winter wheat in the ground in this area and we'd lost 40 percent of the oilseed rape and in February, there was no sign of it drying out enough to get spring crops in. We have ended up with crops in the ground, so everything's a bonus. And I would much rather have 300 tonnes of winter wheat average to sell at £200 a tonne than five tonnes to sell at £100 a tonne. So margin is more important in a year like this. Quality and what what you yield isn't the important thing. It's what you sell it for, as a friend of mine always used to say. So all over the place, winter beans... Um, or combined, they haven't done too badly. Spring beans out there, getting close to wanting glyphosate applications now if you're going to manage them in that respect. Remember, it's when the majority of pods are black. There is an emergency authorization of minor use of carfentadone esile, which is spotlight that we use in potatoes, for use only on seed crops. And it is only on seed crops. Be very careful. Speak to your advisor, because if you apply it to a crop that you're intending to keep for seed, if you don't use it for seed, you may struggle to sell it because it's been treated as a seed crop 
and that extension of authorization for minor use is specific to a seed crop so speak to your advisor make sure you're still safe sugar bee which was treated with a fungicide three weeks ago or so it's dried out the rust quite nicely it's holding on to the Socospora. I didn't see an awful lot of powdery mildew. Things are clean in the field. The nutrition that I dropped in, manganese, magnesium, has started to cure some of that yellowing, not all of it. Obviously, there is a lot of virus out in the field, but some of that yellowing was indeed down to nutrition and other factors. We won't know the impact of the virus until we start to get sugar beet lifted in the few weeks which are coming. Um, but also bear in mind, if you're going to put a second fungicide on, you've got to be sure that you're going to get your money back from it, so that I you're going to leave the crop in the ground long enough for it to recoup and put weight on that will recoup that extra cost and also that you actually need it so look at the crop and see if the disease is coming back in um, leave 28 days remember you've got a 21 day harvest interval for example with a sculter so you have to watch all of these things when it comes to managing sugar beet moving forward but at least the rain has started to fill those roots and they are bulky when it comes to water they need a lot of water so every cloud has a silver lining doesn't it um, moving on to the crops that are going in for harvest 2021 a lot of rape going in the ground despite promises of various growers there's a lot of rape in the ground quite a lot already up we're seeing very very little in the way of cabbage stem flea beetle activity out here in the field i've seen none uh, no adults at all stuck on sticky traps very different to last year you couldn't breathe in for them this time last year they were crawling out of the trailers as we harvested crawling out of the shed doors nothing like that this year that doesn't mean you should let your guard down and become complacent it doesn't mean that they've all drowned in the winter and the wet weather that we've had over the course of the last 12 months or so if you remember back to september 2018 when we first really experienced issues with cabbage stem flea beetle in this area of lincolnshire they didn't start really to do damage much before around the 5th or 6th of September when they absolutely exploded. So there is plenty of time for the cabbage stem flea beetle to hit. The most important thing if you're going to grow rape is to get it in the ground and up and away. You've got soil temperatures in excess of 16 at the moment, you've got moisture, of that there is no doubt. So everything's in the favour of oilseed rape being up and running and away and a vigorous, competitive growing crop is the most the best way of tackling cabbage stem flea beetle. Yes you can put in your companion crops and your your filthy stinking manures and leave your long stubbles all of those things help but unless you've got a competitive vigorous crop then none of those things uh, have any purpose really so get the crop in the ground in the next seven to ten days at the latest get it in get it up and away you might be better with a hybrid as we move because as the day length shortens and the temperatures drop that's when we start to lose the battle and the crop starts to grow slower than the damage is caused remember your threshold is 25 percent of leaf area affected at present as i say i'm seeing no shot holing damage and manage your expectations when it comes to control you're likely to get from pyrethroids because most of the population is resistant to pyrethroids so that's why you need a vigorous crop and only treat with a pyrethroid if those adults are there and causing damage and you can physically hit them so let's see what the next seven days bring hopefully some fine dry weather hopefully a bit more harvest and hopefully harvest 21 is far more likely to give us than take away Way. Thanks as ever, Sean. Good to have you back. Now, two of the main constituents of a good Sunday lunch in a moment, lamb and potatoes. And we'll see how the markets are doing with Kit Dickinson from Openfield and see what the weather has in store for us for the week ahead. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Will you be having a delicious lamb roast for lunch today? Veggies, gravy and, of course, mint sauce. There's an awful lot more you can do with lamb apart from the Sunday roast, including promote the industry. 
Starting on Tuesday the 1st, it's Love Lamb Week, organised by the AHDB and supported by the National Sheep Association and many, many farmers across the country. One such is Lincolnshire's Gelston Lamb, and we'll talk to Louise Elkington in a moment. First, Katie James is from the National Sheep Association. What's involved in the campaign, Katie? Hello. Um, yes, that's right. Love Lamb Week um, starts next week. It's the sixth year of the campaign. It's a week-long campaign that's run every year now to try and promote the fantastic qualities of the British lamb that we produce here, trying to get retailers on board to promote lamb in special recipes and promotions um, in store, but, but also to get farmers to promote themselves and the excellent work they're doing in producing this fantastic produce, and specifically to get consumers who maybe aren't eating lamb very much or or not at all perhaps, to to give lamb a try again um, and really sort of see what it can offer them in terms of its taste, its healthy credentials it offers. And whilst they're consuming lamb, they're also buying a a very sustainable um, and a very welfare-friendly meat as well. And that's really the message we're trying to get across. How is sheep production, lamb production sustainable, Katie? Um, It's sustainable because lamb is an environmentally friendly meat, despite what some of the headline-grabbing messages that we've heard over recent years might say. But without sheep, our countryside would look very different. They're essential in maintaining some areas where you could not grow anything else, you could not have any other livestock. Sheep are essential in those areas um, and will continue to be um, for decades ahead of us. They don't require a lot of input um, in terms of sort of water use. The majority of water they drink is falling from the sky as rain. And so really they are, you know, environmentally friendly and very sustainable for the future. Yeah, because they're not just tasty. Uh, They're good for you as well. Plenty of vitamins uh, they contain, don't they? That's right. Yeah, they give a good source of some of our essential vitamins. It's a good source of protein. It's low in sodium. Um, a very good source of potassium and really it's relatively quite low fat as well depending on what cut of meat you choose but most uh, lamb these days is really quite lean and very good for you. Katie thanks ever so much for for joining us on the farming program this morning just very quickly where can we find out more information about Love Lamb Week? You can visit our website which is www.nationalsheep.com .org.uk forward slash love lamb and there you'll find more about our love lamb campaign and you'll find some links to levy board pages which contain more information and some of the recipes um, and look out for our social media pages this week we'll be using the hashtag love lamb week as much as we can to try and share the message of the campaign and uh, share some interesting information with everybody that follows us katie very good luck with the campaign Thank you. Louise Elkington from Gelston Lamb, welcome to the Farming Programme. What will you be doing for Love Lamb Week? We do regular updates on our social media pages anyway, but for Love Lamb Week we'll be posting more recipes, you know, giving ideas to people as to what you can do with lamb and how versatile it is. I think it's a bit underrated at the minute as to, you know, people don't really know what to do with it. And there's so many recipes that you can do that, you know, are really quick for mid week meals or a typical Sunday roast or it can be quick kebabs on the barbecue it really is a brilliant product I think that's a point actually you tend to think or those of us of a slightly older generation tend to think of lamb as being roast lamb mint sauce and two veg on a Sunday lunchtime but 
as you say, there's so much more you can do with it. I saw one recipe on your site of a lamb burger with brie, which I thought, yeah, oh. That's, <laughs> we've, we've called that a Gelston burger. We serve it with brie, caramelised onions and rocket. Yeah, that, that is a really nice combination. We've also developed a lamb barken, bacon, <laughs> um, which is going down quite well. And we're going to make, um, when we get back cooking again, we're going to be doing a sort of an ultimate burger, so a lamb burger with bacon. We've got to play about with the cheese to see which, which would go nicely with it and a bit of salad. So that will be an interesting one for next year. This is getting the juices flowing. I've not had my breakfast yet. <laughs> uh, what, what is it about British lamb? We tend to view lamb as being British and New Zealand lamb, the best in the world. Is it just the climate? UK and New Zealand, very similar climates. Is that yeah, the main I mean, thing? Our weather, our weather and landscape makes the UK one of the most sustainable places to produce lamb. You know, there's plenty of areas where they can't grow anything else apart from sheep or beef. Um, it can't be cropped. I mean, our farm used to be an arable farm, but our land is much more suited to being grass. But yeah, I mean, sheep have grazed the countryside for thousands of years and have a unique role in being able to convert grass into a delicious, versatile meat. It's full of natural, rich protein. It's low in sodium. I think it's got seven vitamins and minerals, which contribute towards good health and well-being. And it tastes blooming good. And it tastes great. <laughs> what more can you want? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Louise Elkington from Gelston Land, thanks ever so much for joining us on the farming programme. Have a great Love Lamb Week. Lovely. Thank you very much. And you can find out more about Gelston Lamb's lovely lamb products on gelstonlamb.co.uk. Love Lamb Week runs from September the 1st to the 7th. Do share with us your Love Lamb activities at Farming Show or on the Farming Programme Facebook page. Colin Jackson of PJP Potatoes joins us now for an update on the potato harvest. Morning, Colin. Yeah, morning, Steve. How's things in the land of Spud at the moment, then? A bit damp. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, the potato trade is going on at a steady pace, is what I would say. Um, There is some reduced prices, again, sort of week on week. It just sort of seems to to drop off slightly, but uh, it's finding a bit of a level... Uh, local prices have sort of got down to uh, a little bit less than £100 now for most varieties. Certain varieties are better than that. Um, but it's the, the West Country that have really seen the, the very, very low prices down uh, as low as £40 a tonne. How come down in the West Country particularly, Colin? Well, generally speaking, over there, they're, they're, they're weaker sellers. Um, they've, uh, they don't have the storage that we tend to have on the eastern side, so their crop has to be marketed in a, in a certain window, and so they just put pressure on to make sure it's gone. Um, whereas on the eastern side, we tend to have more storage and, and better availabilities that if it hasn't sold in that, our window is bigger, effectively. You know, if it, if it doesn't get sold on the green top, then we can store it or do something alternative with it. And how's quality and quantity coming out of the ground? Yeah, quality is pretty good. Um, certain varieties, Maris Piper is suffering a little bit from scab from the uh, sort of dry time we had early on. But generally speaking, quality is pretty good. Um, and quantity-wise, yeah, there's some pretty big yields out there, hence part of the reason for the uh, trade being under pressure. Colin, thanks ever so much for joining us on the farming programme again. No problem, thank you.
To the markets now, here's Open Fields' Kit Dickinson. Morning, Kit. Good morning, Steve. This week, we've seen a limited amount harvested due to the bad weather. After the recent rains, all crops are now ready for combining, and the feeling on farmers of frustration, given the amount still to cut and land work to do in front of drilling this autumn. Sample results are still varied across all crops. It will be interesting to see if milling wheat has retained its hagberg after the rain. It has been a positive week so far to the time of writing for London Wheat, which is up £4.60. Premiums have remained the same this week, but it's worth keeping an eye on them as more sample results are being processed. Interestingly, the rise has come this week, even with firmer currency, which is a good sign for things to come. Oilseed rate? China is set to buy a record amount of American soybeans this year, as lower prices help the Asian nation to boot purchases pledged under the new Phase 1 trade deal. Soy futures in Chicago climbed to seven-month highs. The total from the US will probably reach about 40 million tonnes in 2020. China has been stepping up purchases of American agricultural goods since the end of April, with soybean sale for delivery next season currently running at their highest level for this time of year since 2013. The Asian nation has also set several daily records in corn purchases, putting it on track to exceed the first time an annual quota set by the World Trade Organisations. The more China buys, the less will be available to be imported into the UK, which should help the UK seed rate prices. Orseed rope crops are emerging well and touch wood currently have a limited amount of flea beetle pressure. There is still rape to drill after wheat crops that haven't yet been harvested, but what will the total area be this year? Current values for May 21 look reasonable, but May 22 is even better, just short of £350 a tonne. Barley, we are now well into the barley harvest in Lincolnshire and seeing mixed results, the same as the wheat. The current split is roughly 50-50 between malting and feed. There are signs of brackling and in some cases lodging after the wind and the rain. The question is, with a record spring barley area this year and a high percentage going for feed, will the malting premiums expand on the back of this? Consumers have cover in the nearby, but November onwards could see a smaller supply than anticipated. Prices this week, feed wheat for August 165 Moving forward to September, 165 to 167. November, 168 to 170. Remaining the same through to February, 168 to 170. And a small rise into May at 171 to 173. Milling wheat premiums are currently 25 to 27 pounds. Oilseed rate for September is 326 to 328. November, 332 to 334. February 334 to 336, and May 336 to 338. Feed barley for August 121 to 123, September 123 to 125, November 125 to 127, February 128 to 130, and May 131 to 133. Malting premiums are circa £10. Thank you very much. Many thanks as ever, Kit. You can contact Kit via the Open Field website. Well, another variable week of weather. What's it got in store for us this week? The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. Well, there is a little bit of rain around, but it will be mostly dry, mostly cloudy and cooler too, with temperatures not much above mid-teens Celsius until the back end of the week. Northerly winds up to 13 miles per hour today. Plenty of cloud cover, maybe a millimetre or two of rain. Temperatures around 14 Celsius, down to single figures overnight. 
The wind moves from the west tomorrow, but quite calm. Sunshine in the morning, clouding over in the afternoon, dry with a high of 16 Celsius for Monday. Light southerly winds on Tuesday and Wednesday, mostly dry but plenty of cloud cover again. Highs getting up to around 19 Celsius on Wednesday. Thursday and Friday may see two or three millimetres of rain, but we'll have a bit more sun too, and it will feel a little warmer with highs of 20 or 21 Celsius. Winds veering to southwesterly up to 20 miles per hour on Thursday, lightening off a little bit on Friday. Now, finally, you might remember a conversation about conservation on last week's programme, uh, which, if you missed it, is available on the website, along with all previous editions, and this one will be on in a moment. Thank you for so many entries to our competition to win the book we talked about, Farming with Nature. I asked for the collective noun for partridges. It seems there's more than one, depending on where you live, but both the RSPB and the Game and Wildlife Conservation Trust, who we spoke to last week, use the term COVID. So that's the one we've gone with, as did most of the entrants. Our winner is Kev Henson from Boston. Congratulations, Kev. One copy of Farming with Nature, if you'll pardon the pun, winging its way to you soon. I'm off on holiday now for a couple of weeks, so Ellie Codling will be looking after the shop with a look at this year's crop harvest on the farming programme next week. In the meantime, stay safe, stay positive and have a good farming week.